want to do more than follow orders, think outside of the box, and manifest your dreams, then you've come to the right show. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a gold star daughter, veteran spouse, and entrepreneur. For season seven, I am ecstatic to be in partnership with the Rosie Network to highlight motivational stories of personal growth, financial awareness, and autonomy in our military community. Now, let's get started. All right, everyone, got a question for you. Have you ever thought about scaling a long-time hobby into a full-time business? Well, for this episode, I am so excited to be talking to Jacob Musso, who is the founder and CEO of Wounded Woodworkers. And I had the fortune of speaking with Jacob to share his journey of starting a woodworking hobby club about eight years ago after leaving the military earlier than expected. He found woodworking to be therapeutic for himself and other veterans. However, the club had to stop meeting in person when safety and liability concerns arose. This prompted Jacob to shift his focus to creating personalized gifts with laser engraving. After graduating from the Rosie Network's 2023 Service to CEO program, he started to consider how growing his hobby into a business can increase his impact and donations to nonprofits supporting veterans. At the same time, he finds himself at a crossroads as he works a full-time job and values prioritizing his family responsibilities. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Jacob will share his hopes to generate enough revenue to hire help and continue donating to nonprofits while sustaining a work-life balance. If you want to get a hold of Jacob as you are listening to this conversation today, remember to check out the show notes of this episode on your preferred podcasting app. If you do not know how to do that, you could always open up a browser, whether it's via mobile or desktop, and look up the website, Holding Down the Fort Podcast. For the search bar on the very top of our website, go ahead and plug in the numbers 163. That's episode 163. And there you will find Jacob's episode, as well as ways to get a hold of him, such as his website, his socials, his email, et cetera, et cetera. This conversation is an ad-free conversation. Thanks to my company here at US Vet Wealth, we are all about offering tailored financial services for our military retirees. If you wanna learn more about our company, we have a free podcast portal that you can check out at holdingdownthefortpodcast.com forward slash portal. And in this free portal that you can join, you will get bonus content from the show and you'll get all the free resources, especially if you are a transitioning career military family looking to have a better understanding of, you know, what options are available for you in the private market if you are looking to have a better understanding of that. And so we provide all that for free in our portal. Once again, if you want to join, thanks to US Vet Wealth, we have a free portal in which you can get access to to the bonus content for our show and for free financial education from our company, US Vet Wealth. All you got to do is sign up at holdingdownthefortpodcast.com forward slash portal. All right, last but not least, whether this is your first time listening to the show or you've been following season seven so long, I want to go ahead and ask you for your grace once again. It's funny because when I was doing this conversation with Jacob, 
I loved how he just embraced showing up authentically, even though he wasn't set up in the way he wanted to. He would have preferred to have a better setup. And I'll let him explain that more if you all ever have any questions. And of course, funny enough, my audio quality this season has been different, <laughs> has been different from past seasons. And I only found out after the fact, after I finished the recordings, I will probably talk about this more in the post commentary for now. I just want to ask you for your grace and understanding. And if it helps, I enjoy listening to podcasts myself at two times speed because I can really digest content pretty quickly that way. But for you, if it's your first time, maybe 1.25 speed is a good place to start. And I tend to find that just speeding up the audio quality just a little will help you digest the content better and not be so, I want to say, uh, taken, taken by my different audio quality for season seven. So thank you, thank you for your grace and understanding and stick around in the outro for my post commentary. Other than that, thanks again, Jacob, for being on our show and I'll chat with you all later. Enjoy this conversation. All right. And today I have with me Jacob Musso. Jacob, welcome to Holding Down the Forts by U.S. Bet Wealth and the Rosie Network, Season 7. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Jen. Yeah, I thought I would have a start off with a warm-up, an icebreaker question. So I have a deck of cards here, and I'm just going to go through it, and you just tell me when to stop, and I'm going to pull out a question for you just to warm us up. Ooh, this is mysterious. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about now? Okay, here it is. <laughs> okay. Would you consider yourself, here's, it's a very fun question. Do you consider yourself a hopeless romantic? Yes or no? And whatever it is, explain. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I think I'll go with yes on this. <laughs> and it's just funny story, right? So my now brother-in-law used to be my brother at arms. Ooh. We served together downrange. I was living with him when we got back because didn't want to live in the barracks. And his wife's sister came to spend the summer with us and it took them to set us up together. And now, now we're married. So now we're brother-in-law, brother-in-arms. Aww. But like, I really, I definitely really wasn't the like go out after, you know, folks. So like, it was, it was nice having that help. <laughs> you know, I think like I've, I've definitely dabbled in like online dating in the past, but like my husband was introduced to me through a mutual friend and I just wouldn't have it. And I mean, I'm grateful that that's how it ended up. And, you know, in your situation, you're like, yeah, I wouldn't be the one going in the bars or going out and like, you know, so it's just great to know that it was an introduction through, you know, a mutual friend. And now you guys are more than just brother in arms, but your brother in laws. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for entertaining that. And congratulations in finding your person. I feel like once we find, I mean, you know, I, I understand that divorce is very real, but I feel like for the most part, when you find your person, it's like, okay, great. I can check that off my list and live my life. And and I know for you, uh, we talked about this prior to this call that you're a family man. And so, you know, I think that a lot of what we'll talk about today is doing what you do, like so that you can spend time with your family. And so, you know, I'm sure your wife is very lucky to have you and know that family is incredibly important to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jacob, your story is that you are, I guess what we would consider like a, like a professional hobbyist. <laughs> you have yeah, been uh, absolutely. doing Absolutely. Yeah, you've been doing like woodworking for the last eight years. And it's only now that uh, you've decided to, um, you know, take your your hobby to the next level. But let's backtrack a little bit and talk about eight years ago when you started in woodworking. And I know that it wasn't just out of the blue. Like, I, I think your family has a history of, of woodworking. Is that correct? Yes. Yep, that's correct. 
Yeah. So tell us about that time early on when you started Wounded Woodworkers. Yes, absolutely. I may, may have to change the name after this. No, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I transitioned out of the military back in 2015 mm. and it was rather unexpected. And my contract ended up getting cut short, got mm. a severance check from the military, which man, I didn't know they did that and had this money and just, I was like, you know, I, I, I know my family, like father and grandfather, like they were carpenters, built houses. And mm. I was like, well, I, I, I'm sure I could probably figure it out. I mean, I never had experience in it personally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just bought a shop and a bunch of tools and, you know, I found woodworking pretty therapeutic and it kind of helped me with like my own healing that I was dealing with from just trauma in the military. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I realized that other other veterans enjoyed this as well. So I started inviting, you know, friends over and, you know, just other veterans I found online or in the community and we just kind of became a club and you know we came up with the the name wounded woodworkers because we we're just a bunch of disabled veterans building furniture for beer money <laughs> and, <laughs> there and you, go. you know that's kind of just where we started yeah yeah no i i think that's really amazing and i, and I definitely don't want to gloss over your your abrupt transition to civilian life so can you tell us a little bit about that it sounds like that's some that that wasn't something you were planning for yeah, absolutely. So 2013, 2014, I was in 159th Aviation Brigade here at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. We mm-hmm. were deployed. I took that time to re-enlist overseas so I could have the option of, you know, the re-enlistment option of like my choosing. Mm-hmm. So I chose to have stabilization so I could stay at Fort Campbell for another three or four years. And everything went well. We came back from the deployment. Ended up having a knee surgery, and then the big army or Department of Defense, not sure who, but they chose to inactivate the entire brigade. So wow. <laughs> there was a few few thousand of us displaced. And when that happened, basically voided out my reenlistment. So my contract came to an end. And you not know, here I am thinking I got a few more years in the military, all's good. And yeah. next thing I know, they're like well, you're going to be a civilian in a couple months. So you're going to start transitioning, turning all your equipment, and then we're going to give you a lot of money to help you. But mm. little did they tell you then is, you know, you got to pay that back, which I had no idea then either. So, oh my goodness. I'm here. That thinking, was a nice surprise. Yeah. I'm here <laughs> thinking, like, okay, cool. I got like, you know, pull of cash. Like, I'm going to be fine for a while. This is okay. But like, I you can't like- even, like, wow. I mean, I'm sure there's a whole conversation for another time, but to know that you have to pay it back, wow. Just wow. Yep. It was a huge surprise. Yeah. So it's been almost a decade now, you know, since your sudden transition. What comes to mind for you when you look back at that time? Is that still like a, a sore spot for you or maybe like a, a like a blessing in disguise? Like, how do you see that time now? Yeah, very much a blessing. Wonderful. You know, I mean, I love the military. I did every intention of making a career, retiring. You know, it just didn't work out. And honestly, it was really good just because... You know, I didn't have to PCS, didn't have to deploy again, no more field time. You know, I really got to have that time to grow my relationship with my wife mm-hmm. and become a civilian, learn all the like things not to do uh, the hard way. And, yeah. you know, that that's actually helped me to like where I am career wise. So, I mean, incredible transition for that. I mean, it, it was definitely absolute blessing because who knows where the military would have took me. 
Yeah. I'm really happy to hear that because often when I hear stories of that sudden transition, it could still be, I mean, yes, I'm really glad it's a blessing in disguise. And I know for some people, it's still a bit of a sore spot. You know, it's still like, hey, like I wasn't planning on getting out early. Like, it's just awful how they just let go of me like that, you know, but I'm just really happy to hear that, you know, things turned out for the better for you. And obviously, we wouldn't have wounded woodworkers hadn't that had happened. And so post military, you have this time and, you know, this additional income that, you know, later we find out you have to pay back for. But at the time, you had this money and you decided to start your club. And tell us a little bit about that experience of like, you know, being with other veterans and, and being able to do this work together. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I will tell you, like, just to go back real quick, mm-hmm. that yes, the transition was a blessing, but it was by far the hardest year of my life trying mm-hmm. to figure that out. So yeah. that's kind of got me to where I am now and led to like the group. But to answer that, that question, you know, it, it was awesome. So I really didn't think it was going to be the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just thought we'd be hanging out building furniture, selling it, making money. You know, I really didn't think much of it. You know, I went to a couple of craft shows. But yeah. in doing this, I, I realized that, you know, in a way, it was therapeutic just in nature of the actual woodworking and doing it. You know, if you make, make a mistake, you can easily sand it off and, you know, start over. <laughs> but there's a lot of peer support that was involved. You know, I'm, si- I'm sitting here with a couple other vets. Sometimes it was just one-on-one. And, you know, you get to dig a little bit deeper into other people's lives mm. and see what they're going through and, you know, explain to them, you know, they're, they're not alone. You know, I've, I've got similar feelings. So like, hey, you know, I've been there. And that's not something that I can talk to my wife about just because yeah. she wasn't super familiar with the military when we got together. Mm-hmm. And so it's much easier to speak with other warriors and people that can relate to what you've gone through. And uh, it's... It was really nice. Yeah. And I imagine that it was therapeutic in a sense where you're not just like sitting around in a circle and talking about everything that you all experienced in the military. It was like you were keeping your hands busy and helping each other out and making your woodworking process even better and your product better. And I think it sounds like maybe from that, like people felt more like felt comfortable, like opening up and connecting with each other and relating about your experiences in the military. So it's just it's just nice to hear that there was you know, even though it's woodworking, it was really a, a way, like a good icebreaker to for all of you to bond and, and give each other that peer support. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's really awesome. And, and so I know that something unfortunate happened. <laughs> Someone got injured and you had to put the club aside. So tell us a little bit about about that time. I, I imagine that, that wasn't, um, you know, that wasn't very pleasant considering how the club was very therapeutic and and, you know, like a peer support for, for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, you would think my wife was the one that got injured in this scenario, just the way from the reaction. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we're using some pretty dangerous tools. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the worst was uh, using our table saw, and, you know, first cutting a piece of wood down. And somehow, I don't know, we had all the safeties on the guard and everything, but it ended up shooting a piece of wood back mm-hmm. and getting them in the stomach. So it wasn't, you know, like a terrible injury. However, it was eye-opening Yeah, just because here I am, just a guy with a shop and tools and inviting people over without really thinking about all the liabilities, insurance, and things that could be needed. Yeah. You know, thankfully, 
I had been working with this warrior for, you know, a while. We were good friends. It wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it didn't turn into anything bad, but did freak me and my wife out. So, yeah. you know, we stopped doing that. I still have all, all the tools and equipment in the shop, but I shifted gears. I went to the PX one day, so on, on Fort Campbell, and there is this company that had this laser, you know, just in the front of the, the shop. And they were engraving little Jack Daniels bottles or something with like people's name and rank on it. And mm-hmm. That was like my first like entryway. It was like my gateway laser because I just got addicted right there on the spot. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like how much do these things cost? Like, can I just go sit up anywhere and do this? Mm-hmm. And it kind of led to where I am now having a laser. And you know, I, I definitely didn't just buy it the next day, but it took a little bit of time to get this, but you know, that was kind of where I shifted wounded woodworkers to something else. And now I'm kind of thinking I can create products and I can still give back and, you know, get back to that peer support type of thing where I'm helping wounded warriors and their families. It's just not, not me personally doing it. So, you know, off the sales, I can help donate to nonprofits that do the work and I can still feel good about it. Yeah, absolutely. Without any liability. So it's good to hear that the person that got injured didn't sue you or, you know, because you guys knew each other well enough that it wasn't intentional, you know, in any way to get them injured. And uh, however, that was a good sign, you know, for you and your wife to be like, okay, we, you know, probably should uh, pivot here <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, make sure that we don't let this repeat again. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I know today, you decided to keep the name of your club at that time. And I'm curious if at that time, was it formalized or was it more of like, like, oh, this is a like an informal club and this is the name of it? Yeah, no, it was, it was 100% informal, yeah. right? I even had a different logo that, oh, okay. Uh, it, I mean, it was terrible, <laughs> but the name stuck. It's important to me and like what I do and mission. And honestly, I've had all the handles for all the social medias for so many, so many years. I, yeah. I just figured I'd just keep it, you know, it'd be way more challenging coming up with something new, even though it's a tongue twister. I just, I was like, I want to keep it. Yeah. I mean, even though I like, obviously was tongue twisted like early on, I think it's a clever name and wounded woodworkers, you know, if you just got to say it slowly, <laughs> I feel like, and then you're able to get it down. But I challenge anyone to say that five times fast. <laughs> Hey. But yeah, you know, you wanted to keep the brand. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the the reasoning behind your brand. I mean, I think the title itself is obvious, but the slogan from what I'm seeing in your backdrop here is in, engraving memories and honoring heroes. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So this is where the shift came. So, mm-hmm. you know, the focus of the woodworking at first was, you know, to provide therapy to others and the peer support. Mm-hmm. And when I had to remove, remove myself from the liability of that, I still wanted to do it. Like my entire life, I mean, even my full-time career is about giving back to those who have served. I yeah. mean, that is important to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and then honestly, this, this shift in the economy is really what ignited it the most. And I saw firsthand how nonprofits were suffering. Mm-hmm. Donations were down. I mean... A lot of people out there still want to provide support, but financially they can't, you know? Yeah. So how I want to have the, you know, business structured is, and why, why the name and all this is I still want to provide support to wounded warriors and their families. And 
through woodworking. So I have to sell a product in order to raise this money. That way I can donate it to the organizations that can provide the support that I can't. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that's super important to me though. It's like the mission behind it, not, not so much the product or what I do, mostly just the mission of helping. Yeah. And one thing that we talked about offline is, you know, the thing with entrepreneurship is people don't always have, it's not always like, it's not always financial, like, like not everyone's reasons to be in business is to just make money. I mean, of course, we need to make money, you know, we need to keep the lights on and, you know, pay for overhead and all the things, you know, but also I think what keeps people in the game, what keeps people in business is the impact, like knowing that you are uh, serving people. And, you know, I know that's something that is important to you and something that you are aspiring to do as, you know, you are intentionally like working out the details to take take this to the next level. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So tell us now about the Rosie Network, because I know that the Rosie Network opened up your eyes to a lot of things, like some things you didn't know, but some things you didn't realize that you already had. Sure. Yeah. So the Rosie Network is, this is where the light, you know, flipped on essentially. For the longest time, I've had the laser for years. I've been creating products. However, it's been just a a hobby, you Mm -hmm. know, people's birthdays, Christmas time, you know, not, not a lot of thought behind it. Mm -hmm. And when I experienced the Rosie Network, which, you know, coincidentally, it was just because I wanted to see what it was about before Mm -hmm telling other people about the opportunity. I wanted to make sure that I tried it. And that way, when I'm telling others what it's like, I can explain it, you know? So I didn't intend on starting a business or, you know, don't becoming an entrepreneur at all. Never had any clue that it would be something I'd be doing for sure. Like definitely not me, but going through the class, you know, it was very open, eye opening just because you get, it's a, a cohort setting so Mm -hmm. you're with other veterans or military spouses who either have a business and they're trying to grow it or maybe they're in the idea stage and they're just trying to figure things out Mm -hmm. and you get to work with these folks every week and each week you learn about a topic about you know business you know starting with like your why the mission the vision i mean everything and it's cool just seeing how other people grow and what they talk about and bouncing ideas off of each other and when i started telling the rest of the class about what i do they're like well why aren't you rich like (laughs) like you know and i'm just like well i mean i I don't know i just kind of make it for friends and family and you know word of mouth right Mm -hmm. now i mean didn't really think much about it just because i'm focused full-time on my career yeah this is more of a hobby but they're like, well, your hobby can make money. So um, I started really focusing more on the things I might have been missing because uh-huh. honestly, I didn't realize that I had so much of the business already. Uh-huh. I just didn't, just didn't realize how I could be a business. So I mean, the twelve-week class really just opened my eyes, gave me a lot of resources, provided me some mentors that have really helped me, and you know, now I'm just trying to see where I can go. Yeah. What were some of the things that, you know, your cohort members and your mentors said, like, like, Jacob, you already got this. Like, what are what are some of those things you already had? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had a business plan, kind Mm -hmm. of like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like an official one. But like, I already had like, the mission and vision and goals and like ideas. 
I was already making products. I already had customers. Yeah. I was keeping track of my sales, you know, in Excel, which I still, still doing. But, you know, I had all this, you know, down. I just didn't really, I don't know. I'm still missing like the, the legal entity, you know, sole proprietor currently, but, you know, obviously that's not very safe back, back to the liability thing. Right. <laughs> so I'm working on that. So like, there's just a couple of like legal things and, and then, then bookkeeping and taxes, you know, that's, that's should be the next step. But other than that, you know, like I've already had the social media, I've already been dealing with customers, creating things for them, getting reviews. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I was still in the mindset of like, oh, it's just a hobby, you know? Yeah. So, you know, so they, they just kind of made it click really easily for me. So like, you already do this or you already have this, like, why are you even in this class? And I'm like, Cause I don't know what I'm doing, right? Like, just because I have equipment and I can make something and sell it doesn't mean I know anything about running a business. So, yeah, I definitely, I learned a lot. Yeah, you know, this whole like, okay, well, I have everything and it's good and like everyone likes it, but I just haven't done the legal stuff. It kind of sounds like, I don't know why I'm making this comparison, but it just sounds like, like you've been in, like you've been, like you have, you've had a girlfriend for so long. And then everyone's like, when are you going to propose to her? When are you, you going to get married? And so that's kind of what it sounds like. And if it seems like, you know, the cohort partner is like, hey, you got to legalize this. You got to do all these things. And so anyway, that was just like the analogy that kind of popped up in my head hearing you talking. And you know what, though? Like one thing I learned, like when I first started in business, I did start with all the the legal stuff. Like I, you know, I filed a fictitious name. I got my my agreements down. You know, all the like all the formal things that I thought I had to do. But I feel like when I actually turned on the business, and I knew nothing about sales and marketing, and I didn't have a network just yet. Of you know, I I had to actively build that out. And I feel like at the time I was more caught up in the legal details than I was in. And actually like, you know, the sales and building a clientele. And so I think that you definitely started off on the right foot to focus on, you know, offering value first, because some people can do all all the formal stuff initially, kind of like, you know, you get your real estate license, or you, you become like a life insurance agent. But like, I think what most people don't know or don't realize once they get licensed, it's kind of like getting a college degree. Like just because you get a college degree, it doesn't mean you're going to get a job like right outside of college. Like you still have to market yourself. You got to put your resume out there. And I think that you started off the right way. You focused on doing something you love and bringing together a bunch of other veterans who enjoyed it and, you know, having a clientele and having all these reviews and actually, you know, generating sales. And so honestly, if I had to, you know, pick between someone who's just getting started and doing all the legal stuff versus someone in your situation, I'd go through your situation. And and I hope you know like like that is a very advantageous situation to be in where it's like now you just gotta formalize it. You know, like now you just, you know, now you gotta get married. You know what I mean? Like now you gotta like do the formal stuff. And and I, you know, and and I think that there's there's no one way to do business. Like there's so many different routes to becoming an entrepreneur. And that and that's what I find that's what I like about your story. It's like, okay, I was like you know, I was this hobbyist for a long time. And now all you have to do is formalize it. Like when you're ready to do that. Yep. Yep. All, almost there. We're working <laughs> on it. Yeah. So, you know, like I know you mentioned that donations are are really are down across the board right now when it comes to nonprofits. And I know that part of what you want to do is, you know, build up 
your hobby into a business in a way that you could donate. But also, I think what we talked about offline is you're a little bit at a crossroads as well. It's like, it's like how, how much of your time and energy can you put in your business you know, while also balancing your full-time job, while also making sure family time is important. So, so tell us a little bit about that, you know, this place you're in right now. You know, it's like you want to get there, but, you know, there's a lot of things going on at the same time before you to get there. Yeah. Well, I'll first start off with highly caffeinated. So, <laughs> um, you know, definitely wouldn't be able to do it without caffeine or sleep. You know, I can't, mm. can't, can't really spend much time doing that, which, you know, obviously not an advocate for, you know, that's important. However, um, yeah, I am, I am at that crossroads because mm-hmm. I'm in a weird situation, right? A lot of people become entrepreneurs because they want to be their own boss. Maybe they hate what they do or, or whatnot, yeah. but I'm in a weird place, right? I love my job. I'm passionate yeah. about it. It's incredible. Like if I could literally do both of these things full time, I would. Yeah. Um, I just, I just haven't figured that part out yet because yeah, I've got a family, um, and it's yeah. it's about to get bigger. So, oh, congratulations! That's yeah, exciting. thank you. I know. So now, now it's really changed my mindset, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like I'm almost there. However, like, I would love to hire someone to like take over yeah. most of it while I can still be here um, yeah. and run it if if they need. But I'm just not there yet, right? Like, I don't have the customer base or money yet. Mm-hmm. So, like. And I'm leaning both ways, right? Like I could go 100% in um, on this and chance it or just continue to do what I love every day. And you know, I, know, I know I'm getting paid from my current, you know, full-time job and then and just work this out, you know. So I'm going to just work on growing this slowly. Yeah. I know I've, I've talked to a lot of mentors and they're like, you got to go fall in, you got to take the leap and yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand that, um, but I just my situation is very unique. So I mean, yeah, I don't have to. Yeah, if you're fed, you're not hungry. You know, meaning like, like you are in a wonderfully unique situation where you enjoy your job. And and here's the thing: I really don't like this idea that you have to hate your job to do entrepreneurship. I mean, yes, I, I have a similar story where like I got into entrepreneurship just because I couldn't hold down a job. And it, it was really coming from a like a negative place. But I, I'd like to believe that you could start a business out of joy, not out of like anger or bitterness or, you know, but I don't know. I don't know. Because obviously, we're you know, this is the situation you're in. And, you know, I'd be very curious to hear other people's stories who've been able to like work full time and have their business on the side, but not hate their job. Like it is a very unique situation. And it's my hope that if you choose to stick with this, you're going to be one of those testimonies uh, or testimonials. Like, yeah, you could have it all, you know, you can enjoy your job and you can enjoy your business. But I think it sounds to me like for you, it's more of like bandwidth. It's like, how do you find the time to do that? How do you generate enough revenue to, like you said, hire, you know, one or two people to help you. Obviously, you still want to be involved because you you love this work. But at the same time, you know, like it's got to grow so that you can create more, more impact with these nonprofits who are struggling for donations. And, and that's really important for you to serve in that way and give back in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I just wish that, you know, I, I hate the word wish, right? You know, wish and hope, you know, yeah. but, you know, the goal would be, yes, to do exactly that. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. hope I get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's just entertain the idea. Like, what would it look like for you to get there? Like, if if you 
I don't know, like, like, what do you think? What else do you think you need for you to start that path to get there, you know, to get there to hire someone, you know, to get that help? Like, how do you think if we actually did something about it? Well, how would that play out? What do you think? We're just brainstorming right now. You know, we're not asking for like ultimate answers here. But, you know, since we're dreaming, why not dream big, right? Like, why not continue to brainstorm these ideas and flesh them out? Yeah. And I put a lot of thought into this, mm-hmm. not, not this exact answer, but the scenario. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of at that point where everything's ready. Everything's in line. Everything's set up uh, other than the entity. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I just need to have the more, more help with like the marketing aspect and generating the clients, you know, yeah. every, everything else is there. Like I get customers, but it's not enough to like yeah. justify anything. You know, it's, it's, you know, pennies on a dollar right right now mm-hmm. so you know as, as long as i can create that whether it's you know business to business or business to customer either way will work but i just need to start that start getting that to happen before yeah. and it's so like i feel like i'm just like one step away i'm just i'm just kind of missing something but working on you know getting that figured out yeah it sounds to me, it's like like you need to have your marketing strategy on, right? Because like if you want to have, in order to have more clients, you have to create more exposure. And I think part of that exposure is like marketing. So I mean, obviously being on the show is part of that, <laughs> I think. Yeah. And who knows, maybe maybe like starting that path of like having a, a media kit, if the Rosie Network hadn't show, like taught you that already and, you know, p- pitching your story to other podcast shows or you know, other media outlets, like, I mean, that could possibly be an opportunity for you. But, you know, it it does sound like, you know, there's like that one more thing. And, you know, I think the beauty of your situation is that you have time, I I think. And and I know everyone's pressuring you to be like, you got to start now. You got to like go all the way. But it's like, you've been at this for eight years. What's another year or two or three, especially because you're going to, you know, your family is about to get bigger, like, what is genuinely the rush? And and so anyway, that's a rhetorical question. <laughs> well, that's perfect. And to anyone that may, you know, be in this similar boat, you know, I, I mean, I spend a lot of time listening to marketing podcasts, watching YouTubes on marketing and yeah. talking to marketers on LinkedIn. So, I mean, all you really got to do is, you know, take that information in and then actually do something. So, like, right now, I'm taking a lot of it in, taking the notes and you know, I'm yeah. just waiting to act you know so like and and i'm probably slowing my own self down honestly i could probably do it right now but the bandwidth like you mentioned is Mm -hmm. is kind of a problem at the moment yeah and i think that's completely valid i've definitely had you know seasons in my in my own entrepreneurial journey where you know sometimes either i don't have enough time or i do have a lot of time and i don't know where to go next but what i tend to find is most helpful is in those lull moments like in those moments where you don't really know what to do education, like self-education really helps. So it's a, it's great that, you know, even if you're not taking action just yet, you don't know, like maybe, maybe it's going to be that next podcast you listen to or that next audiobook you listen to, or, you know, something where you're like, okay, like, I think I got the green light I need. And so I'm most optimistic for you, Jacob and your, and your journey. And, you know, I'm, maybe I'm just a very supportive person, but I just think that like, I, I just think that like, you know, this isn't your own time because like even if people are giving you all this advice, like you're the one living with the consequences, right? It's like you don't you don't want to sacrifice the time you want to have with your family, your growing family 
And so it's just a journey you're on. And I think it's really good to just openly talk about this, to say, yeah, sure, you know, people can chime in and, and give you advice and tell you where to go and what to do. But ultimately, it's your journey. It's your business. And it's your baby. So it's it's really up to you on where you want to take it. And and I just, you know, I think it's okay to be in, in the season of your life right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it gets me to think about my other project. Uh, I have a side project. It's like a passion project of mine. And I've been, you know, kind of similar to you. I've, I've had it for about, I think I've had it for about, I don't know, like six, seven years now. And although it's generating revenue, it's enough to like, uh, it's enough to pay for just the overhead, but it's not enough to like pay me, if that makes sense. And so, and I just think to myself like, well, you know, that's not my bread and butter. Like, you know, I do run a business with my husband and that's paying the bills and, you know, and and I have a lot of work to do here. And I just think like my passion project, um, I still enjoy it. I learned a lot about myself and doing it. Like what is genuinely the rush to make it successful? And, you know, I think the entrepreneurial life is very like you got to get on the fast track. You got to grow as fast as possible. It's like there's always like this sense of urgency with this journey that I think can sometimes be a turnoff to some people or it could be a disappointment because maybe they're disappointed in themselves for not like being as successful as they would want to be. So, so yeah. And I, and I guess I'm just here to say that it's your journey. It's your life. It's your business. It's your brand. And if anyone hasn't told you lately, like it's, it's okay. It's okay to be where you're at and we're openly talking about it. And, you know, and hopefully people who are listening, who maybe have been, you know, sitting on a, on an idea or a hobby for a while, won't be so hard on themselves, you know? And I mean, sure, if you need that push, great. But again, like you have what you have and and you're clearly, you clearly love what you do at your job. And, you know, maybe all your mentors are like, do not listen to Jen. Like how, you know, she is giving you the worst advice ever, but I can recognize why you are where you are at, you know, with, with your business. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it was like an odd pep talk we had just now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel but, better about myself, though. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I can validate validate your situation. And it reminds me of like in the past when I talked to military spouses who, you know, they they had this uh, business, like their business wasn't their bread and butter. But as soon as they, like, they they still like went at it during the military life, and then when they transitioned out, that ended up being their full time thing. Like they finally had the time to go all the way with it. And I just think that. You know, it's great that it's great that you have this, you know, because one day you will you will have the time to really grow it to its full potential. And I'm just optimistic for you. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. Well, anyway, didn't realize I was going to turn to a pep talk. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to know now on like on your end, now that you're feeling better, I guess. <laughs> I'm glad I yes. helped, I'm glad I helped you make you feel better. How would you say your journey could relate to the military and, and knowing knowing what you even do for a living and you know, like coaching uh, veterans on careers, on their own careers, like reflecting on it now, like, is there anything you want to say to our community today, to our military community? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, and it definitely relates more so with like military transition, Mm -hmm. just in general. I feel like myself included when I got out, but everyone that I speak with, you know, and this is a daily basis with transitioning service members is they sometimes feel tied to their MOS or their job yeah. that they've done for the last several years. Mm-hmm. But like once you're off base, you realize like it's a big world. And once you get out there into the the wild, the civilian sector, mm-hmm. we only make up like 6% of the workforce. So 
you know, there's thousands, if not millions. I mean, I don't even know, but there's at least thousands of different jobs out there that you can do. I mean, mm-hmm. you can literally do anything you want. And that's like one of the biggest things that I honestly, even me, like I didn't think about like I transitioned out from the military doing human resources. And mm-hmm. I, I tried to transition right into human resources and realized ah, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And I was really good at adapting to it. And it was a great uh, career for a while, but not everyone has to do that. Like you can get well, out and do anything you want. You don't, you know, you don't have to just, Hey, I've got 20 years in logistics. So I'm going to guess I'm going to do, do logistics. You know, if you don't like logistics, go do, do something you like. Right. You know, I just wish people found out what they're passionate about quicker in life. That way they can just save years of misery and, you know, go get that job. It's, it's yeah. probably out there. Do you feel like you observe that a lot where a lot of transitioning service members just have to get the job, like whatever job they can get? Uh, yeah, every day. Wow. Like even today, for an example, I was at Fort Campbell teaching a transition class for LinkedIn and networking. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking to all of them and none of them really know what they want to do when they yeah. get out, but they know that they need something fast because, yeah. you know, financial insecurity benefits, they may be the breadwinner in the household. Yeah. And yeah, it's stressful and they feel like they just need to take that that first thing coming. And statistically that that speaks volumes because it's like 80 something percent of transitioning service members leave their first job in the first year mm-hmm. and the other 20s the second year. So, wow. so statistically, yeah, they just pop in the job and usually it doesn't last. But, you know, if they can think about it earlier, really figure out what they enjoy in life and then see how they can get paid doing that. Yeah. You know, it saves so much time, so much headache and I mean, honestly, you could be so much happier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, even in like when we talk to the clients that my husband and I work with, it, it just seems like toward the end of transition, it's just all so rushed, right? It's all so rushed. You get all these things thrown your way, all these last minute decisions or things you're hearing about for the first time to make a decision of within the next 24 hours, if anything, that it's just all so rushed that I, it doesn't surprise me that you know, they end up quitting that first job in both the military and then even more so the percentage you mentioned that more so of them like quit within the second year. And I am curious to know from from, you know, your perspective, it's like, like, when would be when would be an ideal time? And when can they think of think of like, what do they actually want to do when they quote unquote grow up? Because when you think about the military life, it's very easy to get caught up in the routine of it which is why it seems like a lot of transitioning service members like just also rushed, you know, because it, it almost feels like it comes out of the blue. And I know in your situation, it was very abrupt. But when do you think would be a good time, you know, to, I mean, and luckily, luckily you as a career coach are able to capture these people and, and you know, kind of wake them up to the opportunity. But if it didn't have to be so last minute, when would you say would be the perfect time, you know, to start thinking about this? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what, that's tough. Yeah. You know, and just even my own experience, like I thought I was just going to, you know, join four years and, you know, be on my way. Uh, but I had a couple of reenlistments and ended up staying and I, I liked it. And then I didn't yeah. like it and I liked it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, as early as they can, 
You know, I mean, even if you're not thinking about transitioning out, you know, it's always good to kind of think about like, what do you like to do? What do you enjoy doing? What are you good at? You know, you got to combine the two. This is this yeah. is the tricky part, right? Because you can like something and be terrible at it. Um, yeah. You know, like, I, I like playing basketball. However, <laughs> I will never be in the NBA. <laughs> right. So, right. you know, they do have to be pretty close mm-hmm. um, as for as far as what you enjoy and what you're good at. But if you can find out what you're passionate about early. So, you know, for transitioning, you know, a year or two out, I mean, two years or even more, I mean, would be great. Yeah. But a lot of people don't think about it till one year, six months out. Someone in my last class was, my class was on a Friday and they were out of the army Monday. And I'm like, ah, yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little late to build your network, but we're going to start right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Better late than never. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we built it right then and there, but you know, so as early as you can will be yeah. the best, but you know, sometimes you're not, you're not thinking about that and, that, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to realize, you know, once you figure out what you're passionate about, life is awesome. That's wonderful. And clearly you're in a great place in your career that you really get to enjoy helping out your fellow, you know, service members and veterans. And and I think it's great. Like clearly, clearly you love what you do because we just, I feel like we had a whole different podcast episode just now <laughs> talking, yeah. about, talking about your work with uh, Wounded Warriors. And I think it's great. It's great. Clearly you enjoy what you do. And I just appreciate like having this conversation with you. And yeah, like, let's figure out how to conclude this. I mean, I want to make sure that you share everything you want to share to our community. And, you know, holding on the fort for season seven is really more hyper-focused on the transitioning service member and military retirees. And so, you know, based on your journey, like, if you didn't mention this already, is there anything else you want to say to speak to our community that you haven't already said? Yeah, I'll I'll probably just repeat it. But, you know, I really think that it's important that if you feel strongly about doing something <laughs> that, you know, you go for it. I know it's a little contradictory since I haven't made that leap <laughs> yet fully, but, you know, I just feel like you can do a lot more than just work a nine to five. And, you know, yeah. if, if that's, if you want to work a nine to five, that's great. I mean, I don't mind it, Yeah. but you know, you don't have to. And then honestly, the weirdest business ideas happen just by trying. Like, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, I didn't think, I'd be, you know, becoming a business. I thought I'd just make some cool stuff for like family members for Christmas or, you know, holidays. And then people are like, hey, like how much do you charge for that? And yeah. I just kind of was like, oh, well, I haven't really thought about that. <laughs> so, you know, I just feel like once you start doing something and you really enjoy it and you find out people pay you for it, you're in probably in the best place of your life. You just got to really just continue to grow from there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you were kind of coaching yourself up just now also. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm right on the edge, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we hope that you make it over the edge and would really love to continue following your journey, Jacob. And I think, you know, this season of your life is just as valid as even the early stages of you starting your club to, you know, and I do hope that it turns into a business. And, you know, this is probably the worst advice that goes against all your other mentors, but I don't think there's any rush, especially if you already are happy with a lot of things in your life. And the fact that you have a good business or a good business model that people like that you got customers for, like you said, I think there's going to be a moment where you're going to know 
when it's time to really turn it on. And until then, you're you're doing a lot of self-education. You're openly talking about it, which I think is another thing, too, because now you're going to have people reach out and say, hey, Jacob, did you do it? Did you, you know, did you final, finalize it? Did you actually, you know, do an LLC? Did you, you know, finally get married, you know, figuratively speaking? And it's my hope that, you know, our listeners and, and, your, and your community will, you know, hold you accountable to that. And even if you don't go all the way, like, hey, it's your business, it's your life, it's your consequences, it's, it's your family that you want to spend time with. And I just appreciate you sharing this because I think a lot of times when people come on a show, they, they, they feel like they have to be like polished or they have to like act like they've quote unquote made it. And I don't always care about featuring that. So thank you for just being so candid and transparent about your journey into entrepreneurship right now. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how you're always going to get me. Yeah. You know, I, I'm authentic. So, I mean, you're going to get what I deliver. Um, I don't, I don't care if it's, you know, <laughs> stu- stuttering or wrong, you know, I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel yeah. and what, what I've been through just because I feel like that's how more people relate. You know, Absolutely. they're not going to relate to me being perfect. You know, I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm still making them. And it's okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like everyone just needs to know that. Absolutely. Yeah. What I love about even just the entrepreneurial mind and entrepreneurial minded people, aspiring entrepreneurs is just that mindset of humility and modesty. And it's like, hey, I don't know all the answers. I'm not perfect. I'm not polished. And we're all just trying to figure it out. We're all just trying to figure out like the right business model or the marketing message that can better serve other people. So yeah. So thank you for your authenticity and for being candid with me. And I apologize for like the impromptu pep talk, but I I do hope it was helpful. Wow, it was perfect. <laughs> thank you. And with that said, Jacob, thank you again so much for being on our show. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. And to our listeners, we hope you got a lot of value out of this. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Hey, this is your host, Jen Amos. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Holding Down the Fort by US Vet Wealth. Visit holdingdownthefortpodcast.com to access the full show notes of this episode, including resources mentioned and bonus content. Once again, that's holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. Lastly, stay after this outro music for something a little extra. Thanks again and chat soon. Bye for now. Well, thanks again, everyone, for watching this conversation, watching or listening, which, by the way, if you are listening to this and you're like, wait, watch, I can watch this. Yes, you're able, you're actually able to watch this on our YouTube channel. Um, So go ahead and check that out in the show notes of this episode, how to find our YouTube channel. You can also do a search of Holding Down the Fort by US Vet Wealth, and you'll be able to find our YouTube channel that way. But yeah, I want to thank, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen to the show. I hope that you got a lot of value from it even with my different audio quality. That's what I'm calling it, different audio quality. And I just want to make a comment here about my audio quality. It's definitely something I am self-conscious about. Just to give you all some background, 
I recorded the majority of these conversations in the summertime. And then it was only in the post-production time, which was, I believe, I believe it was like the beginning of, it was like end of August, beginning of September was when we started to put these in post-production. And that was when my editor brought it up to me that the audio quality on my end was different than normal. And I had to go through a grieving process. I mean, I had this whole idea of like re-recording my audio quality and narrating instead. And long story short, because of the schedule, because of all the things that I do outside of the podcast as well, like work for my company, US Vet Wealth, it just wasn't practical for me to, you know, do a whole new recording. And so I come to you all humbly as an award-winning podcaster to say, welcome to my show. And this is what an award-winning podcaster looks like is someone who embraces the imperfection of producing a show. And I wanna thank you for making it this far to hear this message. And, you know, there's a phrase that I'll end us all with that goes something like, you can say the right things to the wrong person and they won't understand. You can say the wrong things to the right person and they will understand. And so it's my hope that despite the audio quality, some of you are probably like, Jen, I can hear you. It's totally fine. Some of you are like that, right? But for everyone else that's probably listening to a podcast for the first time, you're probably thinking like, I don't think audio quality should sound like this. I do want to apologize. And I do want to thank you for your grace. And with that said, I actually have a lot to talk about with podcasting in our free podcast portal. So if you're interested in hearing more about this and, you know, wanting to understand like, hey, Jen, why didn't you just do it anyway? Why didn't you just like re-record and make your audio quality sound better? Well, I'm happy to answer those questions for you in our free podcast portal. Once again, you can go to holdingonthefordpodcast.com forward slash portal. And not only will you have access to extra commentary and bonus content, but you'll also get free resources, free financial educational resources from my company here, US Vet Wealth, especially for those who are military retirees or your career military family transitioning, and you're really just looking to have a better understanding of what your options are, not just in the government, because we already know the government benefits and we have resources for that, but also in the private market. So if that's something for you, once again, a free podcast portal, holding on the floor, podcast.com forward slash portal. Anyway, thank you for this post commentary. Jacob, thanks again for being on the show. And I hope that this episode really resonates with all of you that you had some main takeaways. And my hope is that you were also inspired by the fact that we showed up imperfect as possible. And yet I still felt like we had an incredible conversation. So thank you so much. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.